the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Do you ever get up and say, I can't wait to go to work? Seriously, do you ever wake up in the morning and say, I I wish I could be at work right now? I I do that every day. Sincerely, there there is not a day gone by since I have been involved with the Blaze Radio that I have not said, man... I wish I could be right there, right... I, I know it's 4 o'clock in the morning, but I wish it was noon East Coast time. That's how fortunate I am. And I realize that I'm very fortunate, so I'm very thankful. And I personally thank each and every one of you for helping me, helping me have this opportunity. It is you who give me, every day, the inspiration, the strength, and the support to continue wading through the ocean of stupidity in order to find the nuggets of hope. And today I have nuggets of hope. Some of them are are not just nuggets. Some of them are boulders of hope. So we'll get to that. Of course, we're going to get into whatever the hell has gone on in North Korea in the last 21 hours since last we met. Plus, there are a couple of other things that we have to get to. The Cuban embassy story? Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about uh, the Mooch and his next gig. And today, just today alone, we have a really good chance. uh, We're going to talk to a former Marine fighter pilot about, really about what's at stake with this battle uh, with with North Korea. And I don't mean to use the word battle as if it's an armed conflict that we're going to be having, but the current engagement we have with North Korea. So hopefully that'll happen. But at the bottom of this very hour, I want to introduce you to a guy who's been on the show a couple times over the years when we were on Saturdays. But I think he's going to be joining us weekly to, to talk about something re- really important to you and to me and to everyone else, and that's food. My buddy Phil Lempert, who is the supermarket guru, Phil's going to join us and, and talk with us about, about food. Um, also, also today I have to venture into a, an area there that uh, might make some of you uncomfortable. Uh, we actually have a, a writer at The Blaze who has been dubbed unofficially. I do not think it's on her business cards, but she's been dubbed the junk correspondent of The Blaze, and it's not about trash. It's not about refuse. It's about junk. And I think I'm going to step into Kate Scanlon's turf today in a little bit, not right off the blocks. So i got to work up to it. I actually have to get a little, uh, a little courage, not liquid courage, Jeffy, but just courage. But I want to open up today with a suggestion that, that each one of you might consider today. And maybe every day for the rest of the week until we, we hit the goal. A little earlier, if you heard Glenn talking about helping, helping uh, Bubby, the little boy that has the mitochondrial disease. Uh, if you heard that story, then you heard... The call 
for assistance because the parents got a, a note basically saying the insurance company is going to uh, back off their support and what they initially said they were going to do. This kid has the same disease that Charlie Gard was diagnosed with. So I, I have posted the link. I retweeted Glenn's, Glenn's tweet to help Russell Cruzon, who's also known as Bubby. Let's help Bubby. The youcaring.com link to Bubby. But here's my plan. And I know, I know, I know, Dr. Jorge would say, no, we don't want to skip a meal. We want to have a small... No, I think skip lunch for Bubby. Skip lunch for Bubby. Hashtag skip lunch for Bubby. Maybe you'll put it on, on your Twitter account too. Donate what you normally would spend on lunch for this cause. And if you do it for one day, even if, it, even if you were getting the $5 deal at Subway or you were going to get some other deal, even if you were just going to get that, if you donated the 5 bucks, you could help this family out. And they sound like they need it. They're, it's moving fairly well. The You Caring, which is a compassionate crowdfunding, it's all for um, medical expenses to help Bubby get his treatment. So I... I posted a link to it, and maybe you will consider sharing it with your friends. Maybe you'll consider um, doing, doing what I'm doing. And see, I, don't, I actually don't go out. I make my lunch, but I can consider what I would easily spend on lunch, donating today, tomorrow, maybe next week as well, to help uh, this little guy, to help this family. So just... Just an interesting thought to start out the show today. I also, um, I also have to say thank you. Thank you to this audience for stepping up. We talked about this over the weekend. We've talked about it a couple of different times. This story out of SMU, which I could not believe this would happen in Dallas, Texas. I, I could not believe that Southern Methodist University would have actually thought it's a bad idea to have 3,000 miniature American flags on display, that they, they would have thought that, oh, we, we, we can't have that out there because it'll, it'll offend people when they realize it's tied to 9-11. The plan was to move the display of the 3,000 miniature American flags to a less prominent spot on campus. The story hit on the blaze uh, probably about a week ago. The Dallas Morning News picked up on it. The local TV stations picked up on it. Governor Greg Abbott sent a letter to the SMU president, Gerald Turner, asking him to restore the display to, quote, its traditional place of honor, close quote, on the Dallas Hall lawn, where it it has appeared since 2010. According to Abbott's letter, this display is not political, it is not partisan, it is not controversial. It is about our nation united. Each flag represents a life taken, the soul of a family destroyed. Yet each flag also represents a symbol of hope for, as a people united, we remain unbowed. The governor continued, I ask that the 9-11 display not be relegated to a far corner of campus. It should be celebrated in its heart. Thank you, Governor Abbott. 
Yesterday, SMU said the lawn display can stay on the Dallas Hall lawn with an agreement. Now, this is I, I get nervous when they put this stuff in there with an agreement that provides, quote, open spaces for studying classes, events and recreation. Why do you have to put any kind of caveat on it? This just just let it happen. But good for you, young Americans for freedom who were behind this display and good for you, each and every one of you who raised your voice, who tweeted, who called, who wrote and said, can you let this happen? Never, ever give up this fight. I'm sorry, did, was that aggressive? Did that, did that cause any microaggressions among anybody? Never, ever give up the fight for your principles. It's okay to be a little bending in your personal life, personality-wise, but your principles can never change. So um, this is good news. This is very good news. And no one's opinion is being taken away. Everyone's still allowed to say that they don't like it. But I would bet, I would bet, I would bet that you stand out there on, on 9-11 or whenever this display goes up, you stand out there and, and talk negatively about it, you're going to hear other people's opinions too, loudly. In the words of pre former President Bush, whose library is on that campus, we hear you and pretty soon the rest of the world's going to hear you too. Just amazing. So there's more hope today, but this is one of the one of the hopeful things that gives me the the ebullient attitude that I bring or try to bring to you every day as we try and wade through some of the other insanity that's out there. All right, I'm going to step away early cuz when when we come back, I I have to talk about my campaign that I would like to engage I think it's time to start drug testing world leaders. And, you know, I know we can't throw world leaders out if they're caught with drugs in their system, but I just think it would be a good idea. You know, that uh, when they go to these G20 meetings or they show up at the UN, I think the UN Security Council, all of them should have to pee in a cup every time they get together and we should put the results up on that big screen behind them in the UN. We can see what's going on with some of those nut jobs, what's in their systems. But I think all world leaders should be drug tested. And I want to start with the one just north of here. I want to start with the Canadian prime minister. The one they all call the cute one, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Canada, you make it too easy. <laughs> when your prime minister is elected because he's the cute one. <laughs> it's not a boy band, for God's sakes. <laughs> I love me some Canada, but you're also fun to have fun with. We'll get to you and uh, my story about drug testing world leaders next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's uh, it's a throwback Thursday. I'm still deciding which throwback picture I will be popping onto the Twitter later today. We were talking about uh, drug testing all the world leaders, right? Because I think it might be required at some point. Uh, we know Donald Trump does not, does not, he claim, he claims ever, ever take uh, drugs. Says he's never had a drink or a drug. I, I tend to believe him on that. I think that's probably a very truthful statement. The president does like his diet soda. But um, a lot of people question his sanity. I don't. I think he might be pretty darn clever on, on a couple levels, and we'll get into that. But we were talking about drug testing world leaders, and I do think that before we get to some of these um, G20 meetings, these Security Council meetings, I think you ought to prove that you are in your right freaking mind. I think, I think you, you ought to have to take either a breathalyzer or we get, you're going to have to pee in a cup or, or we're going to take some blood and we're gonna, or maybe just a hair follicle test. Of course, right at the top of the list has got to be Kim Jong-un right now. And he's up there with uh, Duterte, the Philippine guy who talks about going in and, and, and just executing people uh, as suspects in drug deals and drug dealers. But Kim Jong-un, I want to know, because I, I have a tendency to think, uh, while he's not stupid, he's a party animal. That's been well known for a while. So I would drug test him. I would drug test Duterte. Um, I also think, um, somebody said Angela Merkel. I got a text from somebody said, what about Angela Merkel? No, I just think she enjoys a beer every now and then hour. The Venezuelan leader, Nicolas Maduro, might be, he might be questionable, you know? Uh, let's see, who else is on that list of possible? Is Putin? No, I think Putin's a megamaniac. Megalomaniac. I think he's a megalomaniac who, who probably doesn't do anything other than drink. Vodka. Lots of vodka. So while Putin, I think, would drink... And I suspect the guy, Maduro, who's just so over the, over the top on his attacks on drug dealers, I, that usually says to me that guy's probably got a drug problem. Because, you know, every time he, he brings all those people in, guess what? He's harvesting all of their inventory, too. Of course, uh, take all their inventory and deliver it to the palace. Somebody said, what about Bashar al-Assad of Syria? Again, I think... I think megalomania eliminates your need to have any sort of chemical stimulus. So I would not think that Bashar al-Assad would be a drug user. But right now at the top of my list of suspects, the people I would test before we had any, any absolute discussions on meetings with them would be uh, Kim Jong-un and uh, Duterte. I'd put them right at the top of the list. And then right after those two, I'm going straight to Canada. We're going right up to the Canadian Prime Minister. Yeah. 
the guy that that I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm watching him and I'm just thinking, what's going on here? Justin Trudeau, the one they call the cute one, right? Why why do I think Trudeau has a would would fail a drug test? Why do I think I'm betting there's some Canadian cannabis running around the prime minister's office, maybe in his living quarters? And all you have to do is listen to him yesterday. The Canadian prime minister in front of uh, the press yesterday talking about North Korea and what's going on in North Korea. And all I'm saying is, uh, dude, seriously, listen to this. We need to uh, ensure that we are working uh, together with our allies uh, to find a path forward there because uh, uh, a uh, nuclear power like North Korea that has shown um, a level of, uh, of responsibility and and um, yes yes go on yes well fundamental irresponsibility to, to not use a, a, a word like uh, crazy, which I will not use, um, is uh, uh, is of real concern. Of real concern. Didn't when the seagulls have more time on the microphone than your leader, you know you have a problem. That's forty seconds of gold from a a world leader, a key ally, someone whose troops fight alongside of our troops, whose planes fight along and fly alongside our planes in various conflicts around the world. And here he is talking about the leader, the nut job in North Korea. And he's, I, I, I have to play this again. How do you not want to drug test this guy? <sighs> Canada, what do you do? And you just can't play the, oh, he's the cute one card. Go ahead, Mr. Prime Minister. We need to uh, yeah. ensure that we are working uh, together with our allies uh, to find a path forward there because uh, uh, a uh, nuclear power like North Korea that has shown um, a level of uh, irresponsibility and... Um, 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000. Five one thousand. Well, uh, fundamental irresponsibility to, to not use a, a, a word like uh, crazy, which I will not use, um, is uh, uh, is of real con- of real concern. Canada, seriously, Canada, what are you doing? Come on now. Can you imagine if an, if Trump did that? If Trump had a brain fart like that? In front of the press, there would be more calls for him to step down. Canadian Prime Minister, you might be the cute one in the world leader boy band. You're certainly not the smart one. Stepping aside. When we get back, we'll talk to our friend Phil Lempert. The supermarket guru joins us. Boy, is there big news in the food world. Huge news. And we'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. And by the way, if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, it's at StuntBrain, or the studio lines are open, uh, 888-900-3393. We will be posting a vital question of the day just around the corner. Uh, Yesterday's question is finishing up its 24-hour tabulation. So after we get the results, we'll give that to you. I want to bring in uh, a gentleman that I've known, gosh, for just over a decade now. I had the good fortune to work with him back on radio uh, with our friend Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, he started coming on that radio show, and I never lost touch with him. Why? Because his information is universal, and he is obsessed. The way I'm obsessed with the weird stories I try to find for you guys He's obsessed with things that are going on in the food world, specifically in the grocery stores. Uh, Phil Lempert is his name. His website is supermarketguru.com. Phil is a guy. Phil turned me onto the Wegmans chain 10 years ago. And I tell you, I drive further to go to the grocery store if it's a Wegmans because of how accurate Phil was. So I, I want to try and weasel him into uh becoming a little bit regular on this show and help us understand food and the food world. So well, welcome back, Phil. I'm happy you're here during the week instead of just the weekends. Me too. And, and Mike, you know, we're both obsessed. Um, and that's a good thing because, you know, every week I visit between 10 and 15 food stores. I don't even want to call it supermarkets anymore because everybody wants to sell food. You know, uh, bottom line, a report just came out that showed that I think it's the number is something like 40 percent of all people who go to Ikea go there to eat, not to buy furniture, but they go there on a regular basis to eat. So it's all things food now. Well, Phil, have you had the Swedish meatballs at the IKEA cafeteria? Absolutely. I've had the Swedish ones, uh, the, the meat ones. I've had the veggie ones. I've had the chicken ones. And they're sensational. Well, it's amazing to me because, uh, you know, the IKEA food, you're absolutely right. The IKEA food is <laughs> it's such a surprise. And you, you can actually get lost shopping in an IKEA, but they're smart, at least the ones here in the Northeast. They put the cafeteria up near the front, so Mm -hmm. they get people coming in and going eating right away. And there's a science to all of this, isn't there? The location in every one of these stores, as you said, food stores, this is all well thought out. It is, Mike. And, you know, the other thing about Ikea, before we leave that, is Ikea is now testing standalone restaurants not even to be part of the store. Um, and, and that's fascinating to me. But you're right. There's a science to everything. And if you take a look at Target, Target is a great example of somebody who didn't have a lot of science um, in where they put their food offerings. They've been struggling forever. And the reason is that the supermarket part of Target is usually hidden. It's not at the front of the store. And it's too expensive for them to actually reconfigure the store and bring it to the front because of you know electricity and water 
water and so on. So that's one of the reasons that Target is still struggling and Target's private label. Their Archer Farms private label foods are terrific and nobody knows about them because they're way in the back of the store. How dumb is that? Well, you know, now that you bring that up, um, I find myself not going to Target for a myriad reasons. But when I do go in there, I do look at the I have to go through the dog food and yep. the hair products <laughs> to get to the food. Yep. Just doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why, you know, you brought up Wegmans. And in my opinion, Wegmans is, you know, probably the number one store um, in, in the country, privately owned, uh, still run by the um, Wegman family. Um, they care. You know, their, their customers are loyal. Their employees are loyal. Uh, the people who supply them want to work with them. That's what a food store should be. And there's so many changes taking place. Um, right now, you know, we have Aldi, uh, Lidl just opened up in North Carolina. We now have Whole Foods uh, being taken over by Amazon. Wow. You know, this coming year in the food business is going to see changes that we haven't seen in decades. Well, now, Phil, you brought up a couple of interesting things here. And, and for you who are just joining us, Phil Lempert is the supermarket guru and his, his site is supermarketguru.com. You brought up Aldi. This is an overseas chain that has come to America pretty, pretty recently, and they seem to be expanding very quickly. It's a store that uh, I've only visited one of them, and I was kind of impressed because their house brands, uh, they're pretty good quality, and the prices to me were, were very solid. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was buying an inferior product, and yet I was paying a, a really low price on things like vegetables, canned stuff. Well, Aldi is one of the biggest secrets because, in fact, Mike, it's been here over 30 years. It's hmm. been the probably the past five years that we're really hearing more about it. And also, don't forget that Aldi is the sister company to Trader Joe's. Um, you know, the same family that owns Aldi owns Trader Joe's. So what we're seeing is Aldi growing bigger and better. In fact, uh, the same week that we had the announcement of Whole Foods being taken over by Amazon, Aldi said, we're going to put in another $5.6 billion to renovate stores. We're going <laughs> to open up another 600 stores. And that was the same week that Lidl um, opened up. Now, Aldi and Lidl are both German chains, um, both very similar in, in Europe. Uh, bare bones stores, as you point out, great private label. Um, in fact, 90% of what they sell is their own store brand. And you'll save about 50% um, over what you would over national brands at a supermarket. Now, they look identical in Europe, uh, you know, concrete buildings, bare bones. Well, when Lidl opened up here about a month ago, it shocked everybody because all the retailers here had flown over to Europe to see what Lidl was about. Well, what they didn't know is Lidl was going to Americanize. And these stores are very glitzy, glass. They've won over 200 medals for their wines. They're pushing a lot more fresh food um, than Aldi does. But again, 90% of what they have is under their own store brand, and you're saving about 50%. And then to top that all off, they hire Heidi Klum, uh, not to be a spokesperson, but actually to sell her clothing in Lidl. So Lidl is designed for millennials who really care about food, who, who want a great experience. Well, now... If you told me that Heidi Klum was going to be a secret shopper, I might be seeking them out. <laughs> Love Not it. yet. Love it. Not yet. 
Now this this move by Amazon to take over Whole Foods, I see this as as more than just Amazon getting into a retail business. But when I when my mind looks at this, it says, uh oh, uh, Blue Apron and any of these delivery groups need to be on the lookout because Amazon's got this drone fleet that they're probably going to start utilizing. Uh, is that the ultimate end of this this purchase of Whole Foods? Um, well, uh, that's part of it. Um, and, and let me start by saying what I think is going to happen with Amazon um, taking over Whole Foods relatively quickly. Number one, um, they're going to lower prices. That's been the biggest problem with Whole Foods, the whole paycheck uh, slogan forever. Amazon is known about value. Um, so you're going to see those prices go down. To your point, you know what they now have is they ha- now have 461 depots, if you would. Currently, mm-hmm. Amazon has about 100 warehouses throughout the country. But think of a whole food store as as a warehouse. Um, so their Amazon fresh delivery by truck now can deliver to everybody. Uh, 90% of all Amazon Prime shoppers are within 10 miles or less of a whole food store. Very similar type of shopper. So what they're going to do is they're going to put everybody who's in the delivery business out of business. Um, what we're also going to see is they've been fooling around with meal kits like Blue Apron for a while. And uh, they have they have one with Martha Stewart called uh, Martha and Marley. Um, they now opened up their own meal kits about two weeks ago. Uh, so now you're going to have those meal kits delivered without all the extra packaging, not having to order two or three days ahead, not having to order three or four meals ahead. Blue Apron's out of business. I mean, they they were out of business the week before their IPO. Uh, their waste factor is too high. People just don't like getting those packages uh, that they have to toss out because millennials who are really driving meal kits, they're very concerned about the environment. So, you know, that whole business changes. In addition, now again, going back to that whole food store, what we've got is we now have 461 locations for Amazon lockers. So hmm. here's what here's what Mike and Phil are going to do. We're going to go to a Whole Foods. <laughs> We're going to have lunch or dinner. We're then going to take a glass of wine. We're going to shop around the store for everything that we want. Then as we go out, we're going to go into our Amazon locker and we're going to, you know, have that other 500 gazillion products that Amazon sells, you know, just right there for us. Um, and this is this is going to be game changing for every retailer that's out there. And the other thing that Amazon does, Amazon now brings in new, smart, cool talent into the food industry. So it's not a CEO who started as a bagger, who's worked there his whole life. We're going to get the Silicon Valley influence and intelligence into the grocery business, which is just so exciting. I'm thrilled. I love this. I love your obsession. Now, Phil, I've got about a a minute, minute and a half here. Oprah is getting into food. Well, no jokes intended, people. Oprah is, is getting into a food line with Kraft. She is. Um, And in fact, you know, it's not a new idea. I used to do Oprah's uh, TV show um, for years and and she would tell me, I really want to get in the food business and so on. So last year we saw her get involved in Weight Watchers as not only a spokesman, but a stockholder. Um, Their sales, their profits over doubled. And now she's unveiling a line of eight refrigerated products, soups Hmm. and salads and mashed potatoes um, with Kraft. 
It's a real smart move for Kraft Heinz because their brands are dying. It's a smart move for Oprah. And the recipes are not only delicious, but also very nutritious. She's really put a whole spin on nutrition for these products. I think it's going to be a major hit. Wow. Well, you heard it here first. His name is Phil Lempert. If you want to know more about what he's up to, because Phil puts out food reviews and great explanation about what's happening in in the food world and it's common sense stuff that ultimately saves you money and gets you uh in better health as well go to supermarketguru.com phil we got to connect and squeeze this in we'd love to have you back i would love to thank you my friend uh take care and we'll see you soon thank you talk to you and there he goes and here we go we'll be right back on pure opelka you're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Ah, welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, the problem with talking to a supermarket guru like Phil Lempert is now I'm hungry. <laughs> that is the problem. And yet, uh, I'm always fascinated by someone whose obsessions create a career for them. Phil really has gone from being this guy who was an expert on a couple of different foods to being the guy, the go-to guy, who all of these shows and and his website become the focus of of um, anybody who wants to know about food. So they bring Phil on and he tells the story. And he does get, the coolest thing is if we could figure out how to get this done, he gets previews of stuff. You know, so when, when somebody like Amazon will start their, their boxed food delivery, he'll be one of those like beta testers for the food which is, uh, I think, just a, a wonderful thing. Coming up later today, uh, we still have in the next two hours, we have to get to the story about the Cuban embassy. Mr. Scaramucci is going to appear on Stephen Colbert's show, and I have some things to talk about in that arena. Australia, I, for years, ever since I was a young boy, I wanted to go to Australia. And I think it started when I was a kid and this dumb TV show, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, came to America. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go to Australia. And unfortunately, uh, we couldn't. My mother was like, we're not going to Australia. First of all, they don't let Catholics go there. And apparently that was true like a bazillion years ago. Not now. But I've been enamored of Australia forever. And now I'm thinking Australia has, uh, has flipped its wig. Now I'm thinking maybe Australia is not a place I need to go to. And I'll explain to you why, why I think this. It might be New Zealand is the place that catches our attention. Uh, so we'll get into why Australia suddenly become uh, the don't go there place. And um, what happened to all that all the hubbub around the Democrats' new slogan, the better deal. 
Yeah, I have a question about that. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz as well. Is she in national security risk? Plus another vital question of the day. And what was a giant chicken doing on the on the uh, great lawn area in D.C. yesterday? Not by the White House, but within sight. What was a giant chicken doing in D.C.? I'll explain next on Puro Pelican. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is the second hour of Pure Opelka on this uh, amazing day, Thursday. So much going on today. And, of course, in the middle of everyone's to-do list is to find out what the heck's going on with North Korea and their threat now to drop four missiles in the area around Guam. Hmm. Let's see. What could they be up to? What could they be up to? North Korea is not going to launch a nuclear attack on Guam. I'm I'm pretty sure about that. I think Kim Jong-un is definitely trying to do what, uh, what he knows will bring people to the negotiating table and that he's going to continue to make those nuclear bombs, continue working on the miniaturization that they now believe they have and the ability for that ICBM to re-enter the atmosphere without burning up. But he wants to get America's attention and the place where we have the B-1 bombers that did the flyover last week is the Air Force Base in Guam. So you drop four missiles around the island to to make a statement. Now, whether or not we'd be able to shoot those missiles down, we still have to see, because those are 2,300-mile range missiles uh, that, that we have to deal with, if, in fact, they ever get launched. They're not exactly known for their precision, the North Korean missile program. It's currently kind of under development. So the president is having meetings today. The president is taking meetings with his security team and having his national security group get together, and he's being briefed on all of this. And I know he had lunch with the vice president on his agenda as well. So I think we're on it. And I mentioned earlier with Doc Thompson on the Morning Blaze, 
I really think that this administration is finally showing itself as having a little bit of, uh, I guess you would say, 3D chess ability. Early in the administration, when it looked like the White House was in a little bit of disarray, the mainstream media was fond of mocking the Trump administration and saying that this White House was playing checkers while the rest of the world was playing 3D chess. They were all over it. It was an analogy that they used to mock the White House. Well, I actually think, I think that this is proof, at least yesterday, is proof that the White House is starting to play some pretty serious 3D checkers or 3D chess. And and why, why am I thinking this? Well, I think it comes from the fact that Donald Trump went out and made the, the big statement that everybody lost their mind over. How dare he say fire and fury like the world has never seen before. And then you had Rex Tillerson say what? Tillerson said, I'm sleeping comfortably. There's no imminent threat. America should sleep comfortably too. And then General Mattis steps up and he's the, the third level in this. And Mattis says, we need North Korea to abandon, not to stop, not to pause, but to abandon this program, which means shut it down and step away from it, or else they risk the future of the regime. Now, that statement, we mentioned briefly yesterday, that statement from Mattis is designed to send a clear message not just to North Korea and Kim Jong-un, but also to China and Russia, that our main objective here is to shut down the, the production of these nuclear missiles and make sure North Korea does not become a full-on nuclear nation and then get rid of Kim Jong-un, which is the regime. Now, if you listen to the author who was on with Glenn Beck today, you heard a guy saying that this, this country... Total indoctrination, pretty much, by a majority of the citizens. And they worship the leaders. They truly are dear leaders in the minds of these people. So what happens if dear leader is removed? Well, that's going to cause a huge problem now, isn't it? Yes, it will. So I'm, I'm happy to see that it appears, based on these, these three statements from the Secretary of State... And then you got Mathis, guy looking at all of our defense options, and the president, the commander-in-chief. Between the three of them, I think there's some statecraft going on here. And it's going to make people like Gloria Borger and Brian Williams and former Ambassador Wendy Sherman nuts. Why? Because back in May, those folks were talking about the president in uh, less than flattering terms, right, Mr. Williams? Well, that was the point a senior State Department official uh, made on uh, on this network tonight, that coming off the European trip, it is clear to her that um, everyone else is playing chess. The American president is playing checkers. I don't know if you could say that today, Brian Williams. I really don't think you can. He, of course, was talking about former Ambassador Wendy Sherman. 
Yes, I think, Lawrence, many people have said, and I think it's a great line, that President Trump plays checkers while all of these other leaders are playing chess. They see all of the moves on the chessboard, and they know that this is not a one-dimensional transactional time of life where you just sort of say, if you give me this, I'll give you that. It really is an understanding of history. It's an understanding of all of the ties of history. Hmm. I wonder what Wendy Sherman's saying today. Now, granted, we're, we're not yet at a resolution of the crisis that we're currently embroiled in. We're not at a point where North Korea is saying, you know, you're right. We're going to abandon this program. Give us potatoes or whatever they want. But it certainly does feel like if you just judge it yesterday, if you, if you were to step back, remove the players and remove the emotion. Because there are so many people who can't get past the name Trump. Five letters that can make a liberal, a progressive, apoplectic. Those five letters. If you were to say that President Obama, when he heard about the, uh, the North Korean nuclear miniaturization, that President Obama said, you know what? If they do decide, if they continue to threaten, we're going to unleash the full fire and fury of the United States military. They would, they would have tears in their eyes as their dear leader, Barack Obama, would have stood up strongly in defending freedom from our, for our partners and for our nation and protecting us. I guarantee you that would happen. So if you remove the names from this and you hear what's going on, Secretary of State stopped off to get some gas in Guam yesterday. The Guamanians are not freaking out. And frankly, they're the ones who should be freaking out. And have we seen a mass exodus from, from Seoul, South Korea? Yeah, people are a little on edge, but they've been on edge since the armistice was signed. And it ebbs and flows. So why are we obsessed right here? Five letters. T-R-U-M-P. It's just five letters. It's making them crazy. I don't, I don't feel that this administration currently, even though maybe a month ago I might have felt differently, but I think since the realignment in the White House... I don't think this administration is is going to make a snap judgment and and punch the nuclear codes into the briefcase from from Bedminster, New Jersey anytime soon. No. I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think is going to happen is you're going to see something maybe a resolution of this before Congress comes back cuz wouldn't that be amazing for them to come back after their recess and have to say, good job, Mr. President. Oh, it would kill Nancy Pelosi. It would kill Harry, not Harry Reid. It would kill Chuck Schumer. It would probably give John McCain some little heartburn, too. To have to look at Donald Trump and say, good job, sir. You solved that problem. And I'm sure somebody would say, well, I'm sure it was Tillerson or Mattis that solved it, but we got to give him the credit, this, the tight jaws that would be witnessed. Just amazing. 
Do you think I'm right? Do, do I have this one pegged? We'll talk about that. Plus, I told you about the giant chicken. We have to get to the giant chicken and um, Clemson University doing something dumb. No, it's not as dumb as the thing that almost happened in Athens, Georgia. And will almost happened. We'll get into that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Puro Pelka. There were a couple of freakouts in the nation's capital yesterday. I don't know if you if you caught the uh, the freakouts that were happening. Had nothing to do with North Korea. Zero, zero to do with North Korea. Freakouts, absolute freakouts in the nation's capital yesterday. One of them had to do with a, uh, a low-flying Russian jet, a fighter jet. A low-flying Russian fighter jet that was seen as low as, I think, 3,000 feet, which that's not a lot of feet in terms of, uh, in terms of airplanes. Because, you know, you're, when you're flying from New York to L.A., you're flying at 30,000 feet, sometimes a little higher. You're talking a tenth of that. You're talking people can look out and see you. 3,000 feet. Now, here's the weird part. That, that Russian jet, that Russian fighter jet that was flying over what you might call high-value targets in, in Washington, D.C. They flew over the White House. They flew over uh, the Pentagon. They were flying over all of the D.C. area. The fighter jet, the Russian fighter jet, clearly marked Russian fighter jet, also flew over Bedminster, New Jersey. Why? Why? Because we've had an agreement to do just that with not just the Russians, but others for quite some time. We've been doing this over and over and over again. This is not a new thing. This is one of the things that we have said, yeah, okay, we're good with that. Yeah, we'll, you can fly over our space and we'll fly over yours. And yeah, that happens every year that goes on. All the time. And guess what else happens? There's an American service person on the Russian fighter jet. And guess what else? There are no weapons. But they're allowed to go over. These are, these are our friends. Yeah, air quotes because it's Russia. These are our friends that we allow to fly over sensitive areas in our country in, in the interest of transparency. And they allow us to do the same thing. So everybody just needs to calm down a little bit. Just relax. It's not a big deal. There's nothing, nothing nefarious about this. So if you saw people that were freaking out yesterday on the Twitter, you can send them a calm down message. But it just it happens all the time. We just need to be cool about it. Now, there was something else that happened yesterday that I thought was kind of funny. 
And the Blaze newsroom, the two of the uh, folks who work out of the D.C. office were saying, oh, my gosh, we're running down towards the White House because a giant chicken was spotted. A giant inflatable chicken, which happened to look like the president, if you were on some sort of acid trip. But it had Trump hair. And when Shepard Smith noticed it in the background of the D.C. report he was receiving, he had to bring it up. Before we go, behind the White House over your shoulder, there, there, we see this shot all the time. What, what is that? Shep, it appears to be a very large chicken display. A what? Seriously? It, uh, well, I'm looking at the same uh, images that, that you are over my shoulder. Uh, that's right. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of information other than to tell you that that chicken is not something that is normally present at that location behind the White House. So that, that, but that's, that's not in the secure area. That's a place where people might come and demonstrate or something? Uh, it appears uh, from this vantage point that that would be somewhere in the uh, ellipse area. You know, the whole area obviously is under a lot of security uh, surveillance, but uh, possibly not an area where that would be uh, kept physically out of the way. Well, chicken on the lawn. Josh Letterman, nice, nice to speak with you. It's a, thanks, Josh, very much. Looks like there are people up on top of the White House. There were people up on top of the White House, and it wasn't a sniper squad. It was probably some of the people who were doing the the uh, repair work, because the White House has some roof leaks that we heard about and some other work that's being done to modernize the White House. But when this giant inflatable chicken appeared on the horizon, several people ran up there to get pictures of it. All I want to know is... Uh, where do you get a giant inflatable chicken with Donald Trump's hair on it? And, and how much does it cost and how easy is it, is it to transport that thing around the country? I do remember at CPAC, and if I can find it somewhere, I'll pull it out. There was a chicken with Donald Trump's hair at CPAC this year. And there was a guy in a chicken suit walking around taking pictures with people, uh, and he had... Donald Trump's hair, and he was calling the president a chicken for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure why. Well, you know, Washington, D.C. But uh, I, I happen to love Shepard Smith's reaction to the chicken. He's one of the only reasons I can watch Fox News during the day, because the, the rest of the time, day and night, I pretty much know what I'm going to get. I know I'm going to get everything that's in sync with the White House, which that's fine. Support the White House. Yes. But we have to be able to call them out when we don't agree with them. We have to be able to do that. If not, we're just we're servants and we're, we'll be foolish. Still to come today, uh, just around the corner, the uh, the mad Cuban Carl Ruiz is scheduled to talk to us after the bottom of the hour. He knows the chef behind next week's Cheetos pop-up restaurant in New York City. So we'll try and get the straight scoop from the Cuban on whatever the heck is happening with that strange restaurant. And uh, before we step out of this hour, I want to make sure I remind you, Relief Factor is what I use to deal with 
inflammation, my joints, my, my knees, my neck, my back. And I take Relief Factor three times a day. It's all natural. It's botanicals and fish oil, wild harvested fish oil. That's important. And this natural combination works to eliminate the irritation and the inflammation in my joints. And guess what? That, that eliminates the need for any painkillers for me. I take Relief Factor because it allows me to do more again. I'm out every morning knocking out at least two miles. If you want to try it, get the three-week quick start pack. That's what I recommend. Nineteen ninety-five, less than a cup of coffee a day. You can call them at 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or go to relieffactor.com and get a little more information on it. It's helped me get back into my active lifestyle. 80% of the people who get the three-week quick start pack, reorder it. When we get back, Cheetos, a restaurant that has appetizers, entrees, and desserts with Cheetos involved. Good idea? Bad idea? We'll ask celebrity chef Carl Ruiz. The Mad Cuban joins us next on Pure Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The uh, phones are open, 888-900-3393. It's kind of a food day, and yeah, we're going to get back to the craziness uh, that's going on in the uh, South Pacific and in the Pacific Rim nations. We'll update you whenever anything pops, as the president is having National Security Council meetings on North Korea. I'm telling you, I don't think anything big is going to happen on this, and now that we're seeing the triangulation between the president, Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, and General Mattis. I really think you're seeing that this is how you box in this guy, because he thinks he thinks he was pulling out a Sun Tzu move from the art of war when he tried to go after Trump and insult him and irritate him when he made fun of him playing golf. I think that's what Kim Jong-un was doing. But these three guys all came at him from different angles. Trump went right at him with the direct threat of the fury and the fire. And Mattis said, basically, we're not worried. No imminent threat. I mean, uh, that was Tillerson. Mattis is the one who said he better abandon his nuclear ambitions or the regime will end. He didn't talk about wiping out the people. He talked about ending the regime. And the, the regime is really only one guy. So three pretty well-crafted statements, if you ask me. But we'll get into that again. Yesterday, I mentioned something kind of freaky. And this was the Cheetos restaurant that is uh, popping up uh, next week on the 15th in Manhattan. Cheetos is going to open up a three-day-only pop-up restaurant. And, you know, as fascinated as I am with this, as curious as I am and as interested as I am in, in showing up and being inside to see all this stuff. 
I also have to get professional help to understand it. So I reached out to our friend, Carl Ruiz. Carl and his wife run Marie's Italian Specialties in Chatham, New Jersey. And if you're smart enough, you probably have watched Carl on several different shows on the Food Network. But we've taken him away from some sauce that he was working on to to try and dive down into this. I also want to get his opinion on this because Cheetos, let's face it, Cheetos in recipes. It's kind of crazy. But Carl, are, are you going to be in town to stop by the Spotted Cheetah restaurant when it opens? I am not going to be in town, but I have two friends of mine who I called who are going uh, for me. And I trust their palates. And they're not happy about it either. They're not happy about it? How could you not be happy about Cheetos? Well, first of all, when, when a marketing company opens a pop-up, I always get scared, right? <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's what's happening right now, Mike, in the, in the food world. It's, this is a symptom of an even bigger problem, which is if you go on social media, there's a lot of 30-second videos showing, you know, pretty creative food with uh, pedestrian ingredients. Meanwhile, you know, the big three, food and wine, uh, Bon Appetit and Gourmet, are lost in, in ingredient hell. You know, super foodie stuff that no one can afford, that no one can even acquire. So you're, you're seeing a giant disconnect between what the average American finds interesting and what a bunch of snotty chefs in New York City think is interesting. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the culmination of it, a complete disaster. And you enter into it, this the marketing company that says, I know, let's take Cheetos and turn it into a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, the pop-up should be in a college dorm, not in Manhattan, <laughs> you know? You, you know, or, or at a, at a, a, a state fair. Because I, I look at the menu, yeah. Carl, and I see Cheetos-crusted fried pickles and creamy ranch, you know, dipping sauce. And I think, right. okay, I would get that at a state fair. I could go for that. Right. right. So, you know, that, that it's sounds just, it's interesting. A bunch, bunch of New Yorkers just trying to be relevant with the rest of the country. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I, I overlooked some of, the, some of the recipes. They look pretty harmless. Um, but everything's going to taste like Cheetos. And don't wear a white shirt when you go there because you're going to look crazy. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's going to be Cheeto dust everywhere. I'm telling you, I'm going to wait five years later for all the lawsuits for the people that are getting lung problems from the Cheeto dust from <laughs> making all this food. <laughs> is there, I, I looked over the menu and we kind of touched it yesterday, the flaming Hot and White Cheddar Mac and Cheese Cheetos. Right. Uh, yeah. The the chicken milanese that has a, a Cheetos crust on it. Does any oh, of this boy. look like it could be good? Well, here's the thing. I mean, they're using Ann Burrell. Ann Burrell's a, you know, a, a trusted, tired and true Food Network chef. So I think she's going to, if there's anyone that's going to be able to help this as a professional, you know, um, and kind of make this close to palatable. Oh, God, it's, I cringe just thinking about it. She's the one with the spiky hair, right? She's a little over the right. top anyway. She is very over the top. And, and, you know, that's great that they're using her because I think she's going to have fun with it. But, you know, she's, she's uh, 
classically trained chef, which, uh, you know, she's been in all the Iron Chefs. She's Myra Batali's right-hand girl, you know what I mean? So, I mean, she knows how to make things. I'll tell you that much, you know, so. I think they missed an opportunity here, you know, because what is the main color in Cheetos is orange. And what is the the color that's so often associated with this president? It's orange, but guess what? If I bet you they did another study and they figured out most people that love Cheetos voted for the guy that's orange. So I think they just stayed away from that. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's that a, would be a bad idea. A really good point. So the, <laughs> the, the, the so your buddies got in. I was trying to weasel my way in. I'm currently on some lengthy waiting list. But it's only three days that they're doing this. It's a miniature pop-up thing. I think you nailed it, Carl. If if they could have put this and packaged it and taken it to college campuses around the country, you've right. got the you've got the captive audience, you've got the stoner factor, and right. you know, you've you've got the the youth in injection there. I think that would have made better sense. Yeah, and the youth is very, very creative, you know, using these, you know, because remember, Mike, this is the first generation um, that was born with processed foods. Right. So from top to bottom, their palate is completely different. I tell chefs all the time. I said, if you cook for anyone under 30, remember, their palate is HD and ours is analog. You know what I mean? So, oh, wow. You know, they uh, their their ability to ingest high levels of, of of synthetic flavor is very, very high. You know, you have you know, if you ever talk to any McDonald's scientists or Burger King, you know, they have something that's called the pleasure threshold and they test stuff to the exact limit where all the salt and all the sodium spike in recipes to get you the maximum pleasure. So, you know, all this fast food is designed like heroin, you know, where you get that rush all the time. So this is the first generation that was born with that. And that's why we really don't see eye to eye with a lot of stuff is First, you have to see the science of what these kids are eating. So it's going to be really, really salty for you, Mike. But if you, I hear you, what you're saying, and if what you're trying to say is, Carl, get me a reservation, I can get that done for you. Oh, we'll talk after this uh, interview, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would really want to go if you were going to be there. <laughs> well, I can set you up. And, I, and remember, the food is not diff- is different than politics. We have no problems with collusion, so I can help you. I can collude with you and get into the Cheetos thing without a problem. We will collude away, Carl Ruiz. Collude away. Me and you. (laughs) Uh, This now you know why. I, I, I learned something and I get something out of it at the same time. I learn about this this salt threshold, this salt ecstasy threshold that fast food chefs have to set up in their menus and then i also find a way to maybe weasel my way into the cheetos restaurant <laughs> for next week so it's, it's good it's oh, such a Carl. thing mike if you ever get a chance just yeah. you know google how they make this food how how the chefs at these fast foods approach new recipes i've had the opportunity you know uh to be in the sunk works of some of these places and i'm like oh my god like you're not thinking any which way that I think, you know, we're thinking about balance and harmony and vegetables. And they're just thinking about how can I make someone's eyes roll in the back of their head 
with it still being legal. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, uh, that, that's a conversation that requires a more adult audience. When Oh, you're talking about food. Okay. Uh, Carl, before I, before I cut out, but there, there was a question I had. When McDonald's introduced the Big Mac, I, I'm sorry, not the Big right. Mac, the Egg McMuffin, when McDonald's added breakfast and introduced the Egg McMuffin, they actually right. used to crack eggs into that little circular frame and cook right. them on the grill. Right. They mm-hmm. don't do that anymore, do they? No, they don't. And uh, you know what? This is one time where I'll, I'll make a nod to technology. I still think that uh, McDonald's probably has the most honest breakfast program for any mass chain. You know, their, uh, their breakfast food really hasn't been uh, abused by chemicals and stuff the way their, their, their lunch has. You know, it's no. not that bad. And no, see, let me I, tell you something. It's I'm hard to beat an Egg McMuffin. It's hard to beat an Egg McMuffin. You know, as a, even as a chef, you know, every once in a while I'm stuck in an airport. And I'm, you know, I get the Egg McMuffin. I'm like, that's a damn good sandwich. No, (laughs) I'm in, Carl, I'm all in on the Egg McMuffin. I just want one at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the excuse used to be we we have to reserve the grill for the burgers. But now that I know they're not cracking eggs anymore, I can beg for a McMuffin. Some places I'm sure will have it, but they're very limited. But Mickey D's, open it up. Come on, bring us the Egg McMuffin 24-7. Right, Mike, but you're part of the problem because you say, I want an Egg McMuffin at 3 o'clock, so they had to move to a manufactured egg. It's just like people, when I'm sitting in New Jersey in December, they're like, you know, I got some tomatoes today. They weren't that good. I'm like, really? What would make you think they would be good with the tundra that's outside? <laughs> you know? Yeah, hydroponics. I dare, to, I dare you to try to buy a tomato in France in the middle of the winter. It's not going to happen. They have discipline. They understand the seasons. You know, we don't care. We want a strawberry in the middle of January and I'll complain if it has no flavor. <laughs> I love the common sense. That's why I, I call this guy my friend. He's, he's common sense and he's a lot of fun. Carl Ruiz and your wife, Marie, at Marie's Italian Specialties in Chatham, New Jersey. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk about some collusion after the, uh, after the phone call here. We'll, we'll collude over some wine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Take my care. friend. Bye-bye. And there he goes, and uh, we'll be back after a break. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. At the risk of getting my friends down under and some of the people who are over in the uh, United Kingdom upset with me, I have to talk about this story. And in, in the Australia and I believe the UK... If I were on radio, I wouldn't be allowed to talk about things like a fanny pack. Because despite the reality that people everywhere, if you walk around amusement parks or any hiking area, people are wearing fanny packs. But if you mention that in Australia, 
Or in England, you'll get some uh, chuckles like 13-year-olds hearing, hearing dirty words. Because the word fanny means something different to those people than it means to us here. They use the word bum for the, or butt, when we talk about fanny. But there's, there are Twitter posts about Donald Trump's neck fanny that are all over the internet. Now, if you're a person who has friends in Australia or the UK, and you run this term by them, you'll know what I'm talking about because they will recoil in horror when they see someone collecting pictures of Donald Trump's neck fanny. But we're allowed to say it because fanny pack is not an offensive term here in the United States. But Donald Trump's neck fanny is causing quite a stir overseas and down under, apparently. I'm... I'm sorry if I brought this to light when some of you are having lunch, but um, it's out there. And I just felt like I had to share it with you today. I know. Reel it back in, Mike. Reel it back in. Still to come today, we need to, uh, we need to talk about Anthony Scaramucci. We need to get into the Cuban embassy. We need to talk about the better deal and the merchandise from The Better Deal. And, you know, Australia, while I'm on the subject of ticking you off, you have the cafe that wants to charge men the extra 18% tax for fairness, and now you have a, a man who's advocating that the Australian government allow men to have multiple wives. What the hell happened to Australia? Please, my friends down under, push the reset button. Get back to your sanity and your fosters. Bring back Mick Dundee, maybe. He'll straighten things out. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is the third hour. The third hour of Pure Opelka. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. That's the phone number if you want to join the conversation. You can also be active on Twitter. I get all of your messages on Twitter. Thank you. At uh, SCP21, Stephen Phillips wrote, I worked at a McDonald's for years, years ago, and eggs have been pre-made for the better part of 10 years. Yeah, I wasn't slamming the pre-made eggs. It was more about the fact that McDonald's usually, they don't make, make anything on that griddle really anymore. So why couldn't they make fresh eggs? Now the Egg McMuffin does, as, as uh, Chef Ruiz told us, travels well. 
And I'm a fan. I just want to be able to get any McMuffin I want any time of day or night. McDonald's does have limited access. It used to be once 10 o'clock rolled around or 11 o'clock on the weekends, you could not get yourself anything in the breakfast menu from McDonald's. So uh, I'm just saying it's it's uh, nice to know. That this it's such a diverse audience, and I really do appreciate this audience more than I will ever be able to tell you. Now, looking at the headlines here as we're trying to monitor everything that's going on with, uh, with the situation in North Korea and everything else, there's a lot of noise being made today about the fact that a group of Donald Trump supporters... A group of Donald Trump supporters have stood up and basically talked about suspending the Constitution or something in 2020. Uh, and and I just want to ask people, what are you thinking up? What are you doing here? Really? What, what, what the hell are you thinking? I know. More than half the Republicans, according to the story in the New Republic, more than half... Republicans would be totally cool with Donald Trump postponing the 2020 election. Seriously, people. Seriously. More than half of the Republicans? I'm sure that's... This is polling data that's published in the Washington Post. Yesterday, or today, by Yeshiva University professor Ariel Malka and a UPenn professor... In their survey, they asked voters if Donald Trump were to say that the 2020 presidential election should be postponed until the company, the country can make sure only eligible American citizens can vote. Would you support or oppose postponing the election? Now, when you get all of that qualifying information in there, you can pretty much see how 52 percent of Republicans could say, well, yeah. Yeah. 56% said they would, they would be okay with it if both Trump and the GOP in Congress were behind it. Now, interesting thing is people are freaking out about this today. Interesting thing is you have many on the left saying, can you believe those Republicans? Can you believe those Republicans? They would be okay if Donald Trump would suspend the election. Well, let me throw something at you. Let me just throw a little bit of history at you, because you know how we love history on this show. When Barack Obama was elected, there's a guy in uh, Congress named Jose Serrano. He, he is a New York congressman. And... Barack Obama was elected president and Jose Serrano started pushing a bill that would repeal the 22nd Amendment and that would end term limits for U.S. presidents and, and then allow, as Serrano had hoped, President Obama to run for at least three terms. Now, there were zero co-sponsors of Serrano's bill, but nevertheless... Nevertheless, he would put that bill up for consideration and introduce it every time Congress would meet 
from 2001 going forward. Every single time. He's not the first guy to do it either. It's, it's been introduced in the past in the Senate as well. Harry Reid. What a surprise. Harry Reid wanted the, the removal of the 22nd Amendment. Amazing, right? Bill Clinton, when he spoke with um, MSNBC in November, said uh, he too wanted the repeal of the 22nd Amendment. Shouldn't a president be allowed to take two terms, take some time off, and run again? Clinton said, I've always thought that should be the rule. I think as a practical matter, you couldn't apply this to anyone who's already served. But going forward, I'm just saying, I personally believe this should be the rule. So before this, this latest polling data that people are freaking out about today, that progressives are losing their mind over today, that 52% of Republicans in this Washington Post survey, 52% are, are thinking it'd be okay if President Trump were to suspend the 2020 election if he saw he would need to do that until we proved every single voter was an American citizen who was eligible. We should be able to do that anyway, shouldn't we? But in addition to the belief from Jose Serrano and Harry Reid and Bill Clinton that the 22nd Amendment needs to be uh, eliminated, back in 2016, way back, all the way back in 2016, as a matter of fact, it was July of 2016, that 70% of Democrats... 70% of Democrats actually would have preferred Barack Obama in a third term over Hillary Clinton. 70%. That's a slight bit more than the the 52% in this Washington Post poll, which really is focused on making sure an election doesn't happen until we verified everybody who can vote would vote. 70% amazing, right? At that same time in that poll, 80% of Democrats approved of Obama's job and how he was handling it. 80% last year. Hillary had only a 36% approval rating at the time. You wonder why she didn't win. The Democrats were fantasizing about a third term of Barack Obama. But instead, they had a horrible candidate. But the, the, again, that's, that's not on today's agenda. Today's agenda is when you watch the left freak out over this poll that says 52% of Republicans would be fine with Donald Trump suspending American democracy. That's qu- not quite the truth. That's only telling a little bit of the story. Just a teeny tiny bit. But then again, let's go back to the reality. That's a, that's a hypothetical. And the answer, you know, hypothetical questions get hypothetical answers. But the fact that Jose Serrano, starting in 2001, 
And every time Congress would meet, he would propose eliminating the 22nd Amendment specifically with the hopes, the dreams, the fantasy that Barack Obama could run until he's too tired of being president. Just amazing to me that people are losing their mind when this reality existed and, and less than a year ago, 70% of, of Democrats would have preferred a third term of Obama. And if they want a third term, you want to bet that they'd want a fourth term and ultimately a fifth so that somebody could break that FDR record. So when you see stories like that, it's important to go back, especially when you're dealing with your progressive friends, your liberal friends who say, oh, yeah, well, you guys would be all for suspending the elections if, if Donald Trump wanted to. That's really not the story. The story is about making sure every vote is legitimate. And it really is important. Stepping aside, when we get back, you know that soda tax in Illinois? And there was a soda tax in Philly recently, too. The, the sugary drink tax, whatever it is. They've just discovered a kind of a big problem in Chicago. Kind of a huge problem in Chicago that this... Just the, the fact that this tax exists is going to cause a major problem in how many welfare dollars Chicago and the state of Illinois will be receiving. The laws of unintended consequences are coming to deliver a little smackdown to Chicago and the state of Illinois over its soda tax. Yeah, I'm having a little schadenfreude a moment, and I'll share it with you after the break. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. And uh, boy, oh boy, I, I talked briefly about the Cheetos restaurant and suddenly I'm getting direct messages. Are you going? Can you get another ticket? Can we go? Can we, you want to go to the Cheetos? Re okay. All right. We'll deal with it. We'll see if we can squeeze out of our connections. <laughs> oh, it's what makes people crazy for dumb things like that? I know. What makes me crazy for dumb things like that? Because you want to be able to say, yeah, uh, I was at the Cheetos restaurant the other day, and someone just go, wait, what did you just say? Yeah, I was at the Cheetos restaurant the other day. You know, Cheetos restaurant. Yeah, I had the Cheetos cheesecake. It was killer. I had Cheetos fried chicken. No, I... I'm just going not for the food, but for the oddity of it. Before we went away, speaking of the oddity, we always like to talk about small government, how smaller government is better. We, we explain that historical example in British India when the British government thought it had a brilliant idea. They were going to offer a bounty for any of those cobras so that if you would bring Cobra into the local constabulary, we would give you some money, some rupees, if you will. 
And then the people started raising the cobras and breeding them. And before long, they were spending too much money giving the reward for the cobras being brought into the constabulary. And so the government said, you know, this program ain't working. We're going to end it. And what happened? Everybody set their cobras loose, which created an even bigger problem. So well done, big government. I'm always a fan of smaller, smaller, less invasive government. It goes right down to Matt Kibbe's mantra for libertarians. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Less is more. More freedom happens when government is smaller. So when I look at Illinois, God, I am a son of Illinois. And now I look at it and I say, I am embarrassed. I want to deny you, Illinois. Illinois just enacted this uh, soda tax in Cook County. That's the county where Chicago is. I think it may be the biggest or one of the biggest counties in the country. Cook County... It's a penny an ounce, I believe, is the tax on sugary drinks. They're calling it the soda pop tax because it's soda pop. But it's also on a lot of different beverages, and it's a penny an ounce. So if you get a 16-ounce can, 16 extra cents per can goes to the cost of your soda. And in effect... This tax has made soda more expensive than beer. Now, there's an interesting conundrum. What are we telling people? What message are we giving people? Well, soda's better for you than beer, is it? Well, maybe not. But now here's another problem, an $87 million problem that Illinois faces. Illinois, a state that's already teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Illinois that has an unfunded pension problem that is only growing bigger every day because the the givebacks to the public unions were so massive and so generous because Democrats wanted to get reelected. So every time those negotiations came up, In order to prevent a strike, they gave amazing benefits to all those people in those public union jobs, whether they were teachers or cops or firemen. And I want every cop and every fireman to earn every nickel they get, and they are deserved of it. But when the unions rape the government with the pensions that allow people to take the last two or three years of their, of their work before they retire and bolster that pension with excessive overtime, you have to ask if it's fair. Is it fair? So Illinois already has this problem. They already have this burgeoning crisis that is creeping up on them and actually picking up momentum. And Illinois is one of the probably four states that I would expect to see bankruptcy or serious problems within the next three years. So for Illinois or Cook County to face the loss of $87 million in federal funding, that's pretty damn significant. And it all has to do with 
the soda tax. $87 million in federal food stamp money being withheld if Illinois can't figure it out. And it all comes down to the fact that the county has told retail outlets that purchases made with food stamps are exempt from the soda tax under federal law. But they also said it's, it's also allowed for retails to tax those purchases and then provide refunds as a workaround for the stores that haven't been able to refit or rewrite their point-of-sale systems. So because of all this and this wackiness that's going on, the Department of Agriculture, which runs the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, food stamps, also known as SNAP, warned Illinois that they're going to withhold that federal money until they straighten it out. $87 million. It's nine days into the problem. Illinois is already facing a, back, a backlash from the people who are saying, are you kidding me? You have made beer cheaper than soda because of this dumb tax. And now you're going to tell me that because you've screwed this thing up so badly, Cook County's going to lose out on $87 million in federal food stamp funding because of the dumb soda tax. Well done, Illinois. Well done. Keep, keep building on top of this framework. You build it high enough, it's just going to come crumbling down on top of itself. It's an embarrassment. The soda tax in Philadelphia cost, I think it was somewhere around 300 jobs. The bottlers had to fire people and lay people off because people just stopped buying the soda because the soda tax. Smaller government creates more freedom. Speaking of freedom, let's talk about what happened in Cuba and why we are throwing Cuban diplomats out of this country. We'll get into that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, that's really good news that Buck Sexton is is back live. He's doing a syndicated show live on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm very excited about that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Buck and I are old friends. Buck uh, was brought into the Blaze early on. TheBlaze.com was a national security writer for The Blaze. He also appeared on something called Real News. The Blaze was uh, the antithesis of fake news. We were real news. We had a nightly television show called Real News, and it featured Buck Saxton and uh, Jedediah Bila and a couple others that have gone on to uh, big and better things as well. 
So I'm very happy that Buck, whose radio career started at the Blaze, is now grown and uh, still on the Blaze. But he now has a nationally syndicated show. Buck and I are in touch. So I, I should, uh, you know, we should see if we can get Buck on tomorrow to give us a, a little bit of a national security breakdown on the North Korean story. So I'll reach out to Buck. Yeah, we do go way back. And yes, we do stay in touch. He's one of my favorite people. Not that there are less than favorite people at The Blaze. There's a great bunch of people that work here at TheBlaze.com. It's like I said at the very start of the show, I'm a happy ass. I love my job. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the radio, but I'm very happy about this job. Now, Cuba. What the hell's going on with Cuba? This, this story just kind of sneaked out yesterday during the State Department briefing when Heather Nauert was live talking about uh, the situation in North Korea and talking about America speaking with one united voice. So I, this one kind of sneaked in under the wire. The story that, that we have expelled a couple of, of uh, Cuban diplomats from America, told you, pack your bags and get out. Two Cuban diplomats in May have been given the boot from the Washington embassy. And why? It was in response to something that's been going on in Havana. Something that's actually kind of nasty. The State Department says that there were workers stationed at the American embassy in Cuba. And those workers were victims of a, of a, of a silent attack, what they call an acoustic attack. Something that uses weapons that can make you lose your hearing. These are silent sonic weapons that was apparently being used against several different State Department employees who were working at the American Embassy. They were bombarded with this or struck with this sometime in 2016. All experienced uh, the similar symptoms. They were things that were just like you got a concussion. The State Department told CNN at least two people suffered serious health problems and had to be removed from Havana to the United States in order to get treatment. One of which, one of the two employees who were seriously hurt by this had to be hospitalized and is believed to have permanent hearing loss. The quote from the report from one of the officials said it's very strange. They still don't understand really the attack. Many different systems or symptoms, many different sources. And obviously the government, because it's a sensitive diplomatic situation, trying to be careful in what they say. But you lose your hearing because you're being bombarded by a sonic weapon. The Cubans, of course, are throwing their hands in the air and going, we had nothing to do with this. We had nothing to do with this. And I take you back to yesterday when we talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis and the fact that the Cuban government was like, nothing to see here. There's nothing going on here. Oh, here are the satellite photos of the Russian missiles being 
put into the ground in Cuba. Oh, well, wait a minute. Then, yeah, you're right. The FBI is investigating. The State Department has its own investigation. And yet we don't really know. And this happened. This had to happen over the, a long period of time. We kicked two Cubans out. We kicked them out because we expelled them. Because this happened, and this was, this was the way, I guess, you know, it's, it's one for one. So we lost two employees, and now apparently the um, children of the embassy workers and the embassy families were not injured. So it was just the grown-ups that this hit. But serious enough that somebody would lose their hearing. Somebody would lose completely lose their hearing being bombarded by a sonic weapon. And they didn't even know it was hitting them. The Russians are suspected of being in league with the Cubans and making this happen. Gee, what a surprise that would be that years later, after the Cuban Missile Crisis, we now have, as the New York Post dubbed it, and I give them complete credit for this headline, the Cuban Whistle Crisis. I'm very nervous about this. I wonder, I'm sure we all have, uh, all. when I say we, I mean the, the big nations and the Security Council, we're all looking for weapons to use against our adversaries that are silent and undetectable. And in the case of a sonic weapon, it's kind of frightening to think that somebody could actually start shooting things at uh, people. They didn't even know they were getting barraged by this. And then these people are absolutely injured. And in, in the case, one injured for life. You lose your hearing. So God help them. God, God bless them. I, I want to, you know, Marco Rubio has, has been commenting on this. Marco Rubio, of course, because of, of his history, his uh, family's history. He said the incidents were just the latest examples of harassment towards our diplomats in Cuba. Um, Rubio was quoted by NPR as saying the Cuban government has been harassing U.S. personnel for decades. This has not stopped with President Obama's appeasement, but personal harm to U.S. officials shows the extent the Castro regime will go and clearly violates international norms. Yeah, I think this is a big freaking deal. And how much how much coverage have you seen on this? Almost nothing. Almost nothing on this. It, it was a blip on the radar yesterday. So uh, I'm I'm glad it's starting to pop up again. I want to thank the New York Post for covering it. And you know what? NPR, you get a you get an attaboy on this one too, because you didn't let this one go away. Very very bizarre story. Uh, Lindsey Graham is apparently weighing in as we're waiting on the latest update from the uh, Security Council and um, the security advisors to the president on what we're going to do with Cuba. But Lindsey Graham is, is weighing in on what would happen because a lot of people are concerned about a, a preemptive strike. I believe this is the senator. This. I would not fire one missile or drop one bomb against North Korea unless we were ready to finish the job. 
I would not drop one bomb or fire one missile against North Korea unless we are ready to finish the job. That's a pretty heavy-duty statement from Lindsey Graham. I like Lindsey Graham's uh, foreign policy, especially when it comes to protecting Israel. And I think he's got a lot of clarity from, uh, from, a, from a military perspective from his 33 years serving this, this country in uniform. Not just as a senator, but in uniform, as a JAG. So we will we'll monitor what the Graham Index says. But his, to his thinking, and it sounds a little bit like what you would expect General Mattis to say, I would not fire one missile or drop one bomb unless, unless we are ready to finish the job. Now, what's the job? Is the job just the removal of Kim Jong-un? Or is it the removal of all of that military program in North Korea? Two very different topics. Michael Pelka stepping aside. When we get back, I got a couple crazy stories I need to get to, plus an update on Bubby. And if maybe you decided you were going to join my cause this week and you were going to skip lunch and donate what maybe you would have eaten on lunch to help this little guy who's fighting the mitochondrial disease that Charlie Gard fought. And if we have time, Chuck Woolery's got a new truth minute out there, and it deals with Clemson University. And maybe we'll lead with that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Still have a little bit of business to do before we get out of here. Reminding you, relief factor is what helps me. And if you have uh, irritation and inflammation in your knees, your hips, your back, your neck, your wrists, your joints, relief factor might help you. It's all natural. It's come from, uh, it comes from a mixture of botanicals and uh, wild harvested fish oil. And it is made to work with your body to reduce that inflammation, which is where the pain comes from. Now, I got the three-week quick start pack in April. April 7th, I started taking it. I keep the packets with me in my computer bag. I take them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And guess what? Eight days later, it, it's, it's noticeably improving my health. I now have added a, a fast walk every morning at... at uh, Seven o'clock, I take a two-hour, a two-mile walk, two-hour, a two-mile speed walk every day. Try Relief Factor. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's nineteen ninety-five. 80% of the people who get it, reorder it. Go to relieffactor.com or give them a call. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It works for me. I hope it does the same for you. Because you can get your life back. Relief factor. Before we get out of here, do I have time to get all this in? I hope so. We didn't, um, we didn't get to say goodbye earlier in the week to uh, Haruo Nakajima. He died at the age of 88. Haruo Nakajima 
was, uh, was a legend in world, in the world of cinema. I'm a fan of, of uh, we used to call them monster movies. They, uh, they were just crazy monster movies. Cheesier the better. Nakajima was the guy, the first actor to put on the gigantic Godzilla suit. It was a 200-pound rubber suit. And he was just 25 years old, a stuntman. And he, he wore it in the first four movies, some of the most f- famous movies ever. But he played the part of Godzilla. And if you've ever seen some of the early Godzilla movies, the 1954 Godzilla movie, you know what I'm talking about. We lost a legend this week. I know, all week long I've been teasing you guys. Yes, there's a Hollywood legend we need to say goodbye to. Trust me. Even if you just Google or look on YouTube for the Godzilla 1954 trailer and you see the ridiculous movie that that was made with this giant creature Nakajima 25 years old had to had to stumble around the set of the miniature building stomping on them and knocking over power lines 200 pound suit he was the greatest a giant lizard made made into a monster by radioactivity <laughs> so uh rest in peace mr nakajima you gave us endless hours of of fright and silliness all at the same time we appreciate it we absolutely appreciate it donald trump facing uh, a little bit of questions a few minutes ago about the possibility of preemptive strike on north korea initially said we don't talk about that and then we'll see what happens I'm betting on the we don't talk about that and maybe we'll be a little more patient because I think the ball is now in Kim Jong-un's court. So we shall see what we shall see. Uh, Go to my Twitter account at StuntBrain, please. And if you can help out, if you want to join my quest to try and help little baby Bubby and help. Maybe you skip lunch for Bubby. Russell Bubby Cruzan. He's the kid fighting the DNA depletion syndrome, syndrome, the mitochondrial problem that also had Charlie Gard's life taken away from him. It's early in the diagnosis. Maybe we can help. If you just skip lunch, maybe one day we can help little Bubby get the treatment, especially now that his insurance company is saying... Uh, no, we, we don't think uh, you need that. Let's try and do something for this little guy. Michael Pelka and Piero Pelka will be here tomorrow. Let's have a little bit of a party. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Piero Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Podcasts that take on the issues of the day. And those countries are dominated. And what allows them to perpetuate 
the jihadist mentality is the sense that the state's identity is Islam. And as long as the state's identity is Islamic, from that will flow the idea that the state's... The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. Law.